The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. His disciples left the synagogue at Capernaum and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed with demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door, and he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the Naamans to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to the neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also, for that is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogues and casting out demons. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Two weeks in a row, we hear these stories of people being healed and having demons kind of outcast from their bodies. Kind of an interesting, um, not stuff that we normally think about. But there's a pattern that we see in Scripture of people being lifted up and able to fully live. So the woman last week is unable to move, and she's raised after she encounters God and able to live fully. Later in Mark, in the reading that our staff heard on Monday, the person who encounters Jesus is freed from their shackles and bonds and able to move and live. And today, a woman who is laying down, Jesus lifts her up, so there's this idea that she, um, you can kind of see her fully standing up. And then she says, it says she goes and serves. So she encounters Jesus. She is healed. And she is able to live the life that God has called her to live. Now I need to take y'all back to where I was about a year ago today. Um, early February. A few weeks earlier, uh, we had a lab that was uh, our dog for, for 14 years, Abby, and Abby um, had stopped eating, and we went through that horrible, painful process of, of loving on her with the vet and, and, and letting her go to be in peace, and um, those are the toughest moments that you, I mean, all that have pets know. Um, so I found myself a few weeks later kind of feeling guilty when I had this moment of like, we're about to go out of town. We don't have to hire anybody to come and take care of the dog. Um, 
My son had just turned five. My daughter had just turned three. And so we were hitting that moment where they were still coming in and crawling into bed with us every night, but the chances of them then wetting the bed were significantly less. (laughs) So our laundry had gone from like every day to every other day. And I was sitting there, I'm like, God, this is getting easy. Life is good. We're rocking and rolling, and it's just like smooth sailing, and it's awesome. And so then then it's it's about today, I get a phone call from Ann at work, and she's like, my friend Beth was thinking about us and knows that we're grieving the loss of Abby, and she just so happens is going to breed her, uh, breed her son's dog, and, and, and we get a puppy. Do you think we can do this? I'm like, and I promise y'all, I know as your new rector, you're still trying to like figure me out. I swear I make better decisions than this most of the time. <laughs> yes, let's do it. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so I've got a five-year-old and a three-year-old and a puppy. And I should have known when the kids decided to call her Sugar Magnolia Blossoms Blooming Burris that this dog was going to be all chaos and mess. So Sugar, all she does is want to play, chew, and destroy. And we go from smooth sailing to pulling our hair out. And Jamie and I kind of briefly had this encounter because the dog wants to be on the bed. The kids want to be in the bed. And you're kicking each other all night long. And, and it's just life is, life is crazy. Life is crazy. So Anne begins to plan this trip to, to Lawrence, Kansas to visit her parents. And she's going to take the kids. And I start eyeing that date on the calendar. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. This is great. I'm going to get sleep for the first time in six months. So she leaves. And 5.30 in the morning, that dog is up, ready to go. And so the only way we make sense is I'm like, all right. I get up, I'm like, I'm going to use this time to kind of get this dog in shape. 5.30, we go for a walk. 8.15, we go for a walk before going into work. I come home at lunch, I'm like, I'm going to walk the dog. After work, I walk the dog. Before going to bed, I walk the dog. And in this week... We put this order and this structure on our lives, and, and, I, and I swear before I realize that you're not supposed to walk a puppy that long, uh, <laughs> I got there, the dog is well behaved. And we like, we hit this rhythm, and it's awesome. And then everything goes out the window when the family returns. But the point is, is that structure, structure provides us a way of fully living in a way that, that it provides boundaries where we actually can have freedom to be who we are. Now, the way that we as Episcopalians encounter Christ is through each other. It's the incarnation. We encounter God by seeing each other. We encounter God all in the world, but we recognize that on Sunday morning when we meet with each other. And there's a beautiful rhythm that takes place in our lives together. Every week we gather and and, and we come in and we hear Scripture We confess our sins. We confess the things that we've done and the things that we've left undone. We hear God's absolution and pronouncing that it's okay. God loves us regardless of that. We offer peace to one another. We take a chalice and bread and we consume the body of Christ and we're reminded that God is present 
We take structure over and over again. We go through the seasons of the year. And we take the chaos that is our lives. I don't know about you all, but, but life is life's difficult. It's beautiful, but it's, we're filled with, with moments of joy, and yet we're filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty. And, and, and often, at different periods, it feels more chaotic. We're filled with loss and expectation. And we take that chaos that is our lives, and we put it into a formula and a pattern and a structure that allows us to fully live, to be free, to serve. Now, if you are visiting, you're like, what is this church with all these people that are wearing t-shirts and there's hammocks um, hanging on the windows? It is, I'm, I'm learning the traditions of St. Stephen's. Um, this is a place that celebrates camp, and, and, and I think I, I've not been to Camp McDowell yet. I'm, I'm eager to go and to, to begin to understand those traditions. But I do know that, that for many, many people, going to camp is the first place where they really experience what community and church can be. They experience acceptance. They experience that rhythm. When we were gathered at our vestry retreat, we heard this beautiful, I didn't know it, and everybody was singing this beautiful piece at the end of Compline. Uh, the, the ritual had, had seeped into um, their common memory. And so camp is a way of creating an entry point into this life, and it may not be for everybody, but if you're looking for that place, it's a good place to start. My hope is that we all experience that this ritual and this pattern of Episcopal life, of worshiping and following the seasons, helps each of us encounter God in a way that we can be lifted up and fully be free as the people that God has created us to be. Amen.